0: Same with like uh, I remember the first Pirates of the Caribbean movie and Hera Knightley pretends to drop the medallion into the sea and all the pirates rush forward in shock and horror. And then she does this, like, oh, I got you. Like, and she like purses her lips. And I remember thinking like, oh, I just think she's so pretty. And I was like, No, you were like, (laughs) that's that's okay.
1: Episode of bisexual behavior. My name is Talia Cast, and I'm your host and I am going to announce that uh, we are now going to be going monthly um, because I've just got a lot going on. I've got a full-time job. I'm on a board. I have a lot of social plans all the time and I want to make great content and uh, not get burnt out while I'm doing it. So for the time being, bisexual behavior will be monthly If, you know, you want to support in any way you can, feel free to reach out to me. Um, You can DM me on Instagram at at bisexualbehavior or send me an email at bisexualbehaviorpod at gmail.com. So this past month, I've been really busy. As I mentioned, um, I was actually in a production of the Vagina Monologues and got to do one of my favorite things, which is just talking about vaginas. If you haven't read The Vagina Monologues, I really recommend you do it. You can also watch a live performance on YouTube, but it was really, like, a big part of my, like, youth just learning how to accept being a woman and having a vagina, and I think The Vagina Monologues is a great way to get started and being comfortable in your own body um, as a vagina haver. Outside of that, um, I always like to talk a little bit about some of the queer media that I'm watching, and I'm currently watching Heartbreak High, um it's not like a main queer storyline but you've got a lot of queer characters and side stories that I really love um but the whole time I've been watching it I've been waiting for Emery and Harper which are like the main two girls to just like make out the whole time uh basically the gist is that they have this really strong friendship where they're like very intimate they're like always touching hugging saying I love you and then they just have this abrupt breakup and if you're queer, you have probably have have had a, like, a similar experience in your high school or uh, while you're younger where you had a really, really intense friendship that almost felt like a platonic relationship, and then you break up and it was like the hardest breakup that you've had. So it really reminded me of that. I'm not done with the show yet, so if they do become queer, that would be really cool. Um, but for right now, it seems like they might be straight because they have boyfriends, but you never know, they could be queer. Um, But one day I would really love to talk about friend breakups um, and how they are very queer. Um, So if anyone wants to go on the podcast to talk about it, feel free to reach out. I'm always looking for new podcast guests. I'm so excited for today's episode. I got to interview Ali Shivka. She is not only my coworker, but she is also a great graphic designer. Um, And we talk about anything from puns to growing up religious dating app challenges and we really go into it with the bi versus pan discourse which again if you identify as bi or queer or pan you've definitely heard this before and we kind of go into it and what we've heard and what we think about it so i'm so excited to share this episode with you ali is really funny and so knowledgeable and her experience i think will really shine a light to a lot of you who have grown up religious so without further ado here's ali shivka All right, Allie, how are you? Good, how are you? Good, thank you for joining today. Um, listeners, so uh, Allie and I are co-workers. Um, Allie, you started at, um, at my current job about a month and a half ago or so? Yeah, about. Cool, so I don't know if I told you this, but um, when you were getting interviewed, I, I like saw you walking through the office and I like saw that you had like an undercut and I, <laughs> I was like, <laughs> gay (laughs) and I I think I went up to like Annie or like one of our other coworkers, and I was just like oh maybe maybe she's queer and I was
0: right yes (laughs) yes
1: (laughs) yeah so it's uh we're bringing a lot of gay energy into the office which is always a good thing
0: oh yeah all I it's nice to not have to closet myself at work
1: yeah I think this is probably the first job I've had well I haven't been out for crazy long but this is the first job I had where I can just like talk about my queer life all the time and nobody cares nobody
0: cares (laughs) same like the last job I was like kind of out in that like if people paid attention they would have noticed but I wasn't I was also like "Eh, but I think I'll just keep mom about certain things the way way we all do from time to time
1: all do yeah I think the first um like time that I had actually come out to myself and I was working at whatever job I had at the time and I was like trying yeah. to like have subtle clues that I was queer but nobody else was queer so they weren't picking up on it and I mm-hmm. was just like oh man but now I just don't care now I just say it um <laughs> so yeah. all right well um we're gonna do some introductions um feel free to just kind of go through the same format um I use but I'll go first my name is Talia Pr- my pronouns are she her I am bisexual
0: and sis what about you? Right. um Allie pronouns are she they with a preference for she um I I don't I'm a woman the the journey of what kind of woman took a while but I finally settled on gender fluid women so some most of the time I'm a woman but there's sometimes times where I'm just I'm just not <laughs> I
1: feel that I feel you know? that it's
0: it's so nice seeing
1: people really discover their, uh, gender identity and realizing you don't have to be just one thing or fit into one box. Right. So, yeah. so my first question, I know you knew this was coming, um, but Ali, <laughs> what is your most bisexual
0: behavior? Oh, right. Well, I like buttons. <laughs> <laughs> that is quite queer. Yes. Uh, yeah. I mean, have, you- I, I also have a leather jacket. Oh, of
1: course! You um, yeah. gotta have the leather jacket. Um, yeah. I'm in due for a new leather jacket, actually. So,
0: <laughs> so uh, give me your best pun. All right, um, not too much okay. on the spot. <laughs> yeah, no. I I was thinking of some possibilities. Um, did you hear that they uncovered this new mummy? Uh, no. Yeah they they opened up the casket and there it was. It was just covered in chocolate and hazelnuts. They're pretty sure it was Pharaoh Rocher. nice nice uh
1: I will say you do have the best puns in our office um we work at an advertising agency so we can kind of uh I would say dick around a little bit in our office and it's part of the creative process and that includes Mm -hmm. telling puns I'm not very good at it but
0: I think that you probably take the cake for the puns that's for sure (laughs) um I mean it definitely helps like my dad and I you know we can always just go riffing on puns for a long time so I think I just grew up doing that and then you work in advertising you work with enough car dealers you just learn to hone your your pun instincts oh for sure I, why is it always the car dealers that want
1: the puns like out of any other client I've ever had it's always they, it's always them. they
0: just think they have to like well there's 30 Chevy dealers so I need to be the zaniest Chevy dealer
1: <laughs> also zany and very annoying yeah um <laughs> Do you remember? Oh God, Billy Fusillo. Oh yeah. 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 He was, uh, probably the most iconic car salesman yeah. in the area, but also probably the most coked up.
0: Oh I'd yeah. Imagine, That's for sure.
1: what I've heard.
0: Yeah. Um, you I just remember, know from the
1: commercials really. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I, you know, I grew up with Billy Fusillo and then I went out to Western New York for college. And I remember we were in the hotel the day before I was going to move into my dorm and I turn on the TV and there's Billy Fusillo. He followed me out there. And that's when I learned that um, he is not just an upstate New York person. He is up and down the coast or was. Wait, really? Yeah. Apparently he had a lot of real estate in Florida too. So people knew him as a real estate guy in Florida. Okay. So it
1: wasn't, I thought it was just such a specific upstate New York thing, but wow, blowing yeah. my mind here. So maybe um, other people who are listening who may not be from upstate New York might know what we're talking about. Yeah. If not, just uh, Google Billy Frisio and he's uh, huge. huge uh, uh, yeah. yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> All right. Well, let's dive into talking about some more queer stuff. But um, we went to a rally together for reproductive rights um, like a couple of weeks ago and mm-hmm it was really cool because they allowed like people to, who were attending to kind of like talk um, for a couple minutes um, about how they're feeling about what's going on with Roe versus Wade and how it impacts them and their community. And Ali, you went up and spoke about something that, um, you know, I, I don't have a similar experience to in this realm, but I thought it was really interesting. and I wanted to learn more about it, but you grew up pretty religious. Yeah. And um, tell me about that.
0: Yeah. So I think I was, I was feeling, I mean, I'm, feeling a lot of emotions in general, but especially at a rally for reproductive justice. And I was just thinking about how, you know, this is, this is just sending me back to a place that I'm still unpacking. um, And how I wanted to share with people, you know, hey, um, I've lived the life where any kind of sexuality, any, like, not even, like, abortion of course was like you never you only talked about it as uh, this terrible thing that was happening um but any sexuality was just stamped out unless it was you know in the in a union between a man and a woman that were married um and monogamous um and both cis um of course I guess yeah. I will start at the beginning that's a very good place to start <laughs> <laughs> um I was raised evangelical uh, my parents got saved at an Amway conference. Oh, wow. Amway um, is a MLM, uh, direct marketing. Oh, okay. Uh, they are definitely like looking to, if you ever want a wild ride, look into uh, the history of Amway because wow, they have screwed over the American consumer like 70 ways to Saturday. Um, <laughs> oh man! And so- you know, my parents got into Amway because one of my mom's childhood friends was involved. Amway is also, that's the family that Betsy DeVos married into. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. And so I started going to church. I was about four or five. Um, I think the thing is whenever, I think there's a lot of varied experiences of people who were raised in the church and it was repressive in some way. And I think popular culture usually depicts like the very strict, um, you know, you must wear the skirt to your ankles and the sleeves to your wrists. And I certainly knew people in those kinds of families, but the church I was raised, in was very like, you know, just everyone come on in and we'll play some rock music and you're all welcome. Like, you know, if I were to go to the church now be like, am I welcome? Even though I'm queer, they'd say, oh, we welcome everybody meeting of course you're welcome we're all sinners Um, right (laughs) um and I think the 90s and 2000s was definitely a real a real big moment for purity culture which was um at its base it's the idea of you know you're going to save yourself for marriage um lots of people went further and it was like Not only am I going to save myself for marriage, but I'm not even going to kiss someone until my wedding day. Um, A lot of resurgence in the idea of courting where, you know, you court someone, you don't date, you court because you're looking to be married. Um, You know, it was a wide range of people I went with, but, and it was really tough to one, be a girl in the 2000s because... All the clothes were tiny. Mm-hmm. And then you were taught, like, oh, well, if you wear these tiny clothes, um, you will cause men to stumble. You will cause them to sin. And therefore you are responsible for what happens. Right, but men aren't responsible for no. their actions, of course. <laughs> no, you know, so that's that was the age where we're wearing like eight to nine layered camis in order to make sure we're not showing anything because the only thing you can buy our short camis and short shorts and then also you know I was an early developer like I was I was sprouting boobs like super early and (laughs) and so even you know on me a shirt would just it would just be inherently sexual
1: right you're just you're sexual for having boobs uh (laughs) no
0: matter what you do I can wear a high neckline, but it's still going to show cleavage. Right. Right. It's still going to show that you have boobs. Right. (laughs) And the idea I remember we were, you know, there is, so there was Sunday, uh, church service. There is Wednesday youth group meeting where we all got together and played basketball and talked about our Bible study. And then I had a, an additional Bible study group, um, I like one thing that really sticks out to me is we were going through these books called every man's battle and every young man's battle and every young woman's battle which is essentially like these are the ways that the world will try and make you give in to sex and temptation and I remember we were really focusing on the young man's battle one because they wanted to make sure we weren't causing our brothers to sin and I remember her reading a passage about how um even a woman in a nicely tailored business suit could cause a man to sin because you know it's tailored to the body and therefore it's going to make a man think about this thing so it's just no matter what you do you're you're screwed basically if you're just a person (laughs) yeah you're gonna
1: make a man sin is what that sounds like I can't imagine like also just the the shame that you know a lot of religious people must feel as they're growing up because they they can't even kiss someone without feeling like they're doing something wrong or right. touch themselves like all of that and there must be so much shame
0: oh there was like I remember tearfully confessing to some of my friends that I had been masturbating and like it was like it was like this huge confession and they were like oh no you know I struggled with that too like Right. And even um, I, so I didn't grow up
1: religious myself. I mean, my uh, family is Jewish, but we didn't partake in anything. We just kind Mm -hmm. of grew up without a religion. But um, even like in my school growing up that if a girl masturbated, it was still seen as something really taboo and weird because it was only men that could masturbate. So like the layers on top of that with religion must be insane.
0: Yeah. So that was always a concern. And I was I policed myself very heavily because Mm -hmm. I, you know, gifted child. (laughs) Need to do everything perfect ever or else no one will ever like me. Um, (laughs) You know, I was definitely the kid who my parents would bring home a movie they rented and be like, well, I'm going to read the review on Plugged In Online, which was a place that where I think it's sponsored by Focus on the Family, where people can uh, see reviews of what might the uh, objectionable material in a movie and i'd be like oh i don't want to watch this so i'm gonna go play on the computer mom and dad while you watch that video that has negative and anti-christian messages like i was policing myself and them i um it was a pretty toxic brew um and you know and it's also on top of that is the messaging you know they never said at this church like you know, women are unequal to men because it was a quote unquote modern church. So they knew it wasn't going to fly. It was always like, well, it's, it's that men and women have different roles and they're just as important. It's just that you have to let the man lead because that's his role and your role is to support him. So that on top of it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Very
1: hypocritical. Uh, (laughs) That doesn't make a lot of sense, but when did you start learning more about kind of like history of your religion and understanding that maybe that's not necessarily healthy?
0: It was, you know, it's been fairly recent. Um, I kind of started to drift away around college and it was a slow drift. And around that time, a lot of people who had grown up around the time I had um, started writing books about purity culture. And I remember the first one I read was called pure and I remember reading it and it was just like the, Oh, Oh my God. Oh my God. That's why, that's why this, this, and this, you know, I had figured out a lot of stuff about the religion I had grown up with. I had figured out like, okay, well, you know, they're not, they're so tied up in conservative politics that they're really betraying the lessons at the base of the faith. You know, I mean, going to art history class you're learning about all the ways that um, the church was propped up and kind of made this grand thing as opposed to the line that you learned growing up which is like you know if this thing has been around for 2,000 years it must be because it's right. (laughs)
1: Let's think about Um, the constitution and how people are like that's right because it's been around forever but like
0: I, I, those things need to be updated it doesn't yeah. address how the world works now so yeah but yeah it's um it was it's funny that one of the tenets of especially evangelical houses and evangelical faith is the idea of like if you believe you have to believe it all like you can't there isn't room for for you know only believing in some and it's it's tricky because they will say like oh of course you can doubt there you know like, psalms is full of David like wondering and doubting but in the end you have to believe everything and I think once I stopped believing in a couple of things it all just kind of like fell apart and then I've just been unpacking since
1: yeah that's got to be a lot of work I can imagine to kind of unpack everything in your childhood and your life and how that's impacted you and your queerness and I'm really curious so when did you start kind of not just exploring queerness, but, like, in your head realizing, like, I'm not straight?
0: So it was, I would say I was around 25 when I started, like, thinking about it, Mm -hmm. and I would always caveat it, which is, like, because a lot of it was in high school and in college. Most of my friends have been queer people, and I have been, like, no, you just wanted to belong to a group, or no, well, you were just involved in, in a drama club, which... (laughs) <laughs> same <laughs> drama club it always gets you yeah. you know <laughs> um and then it was like no you just you just really support women mm-hmm. which I mean granted it was a change because also growing up like bisexuality was always seen right. as just the thing you say before you actually come out as gay right. so yeah mm-hmm. it was like well I like boys so I it's fine it's just I really support women
1: and I think there's more layers on top of that with um, compulsory uh, heterosexuality, because you know, like you may think that you're into men, but it's because society is telling you to be into men. But then yeah. also there's the other side of that where bisexuals, you know, they, they have to kind of fight against that stigma as well. And yeah. just, no, I just like multiple genders and that's fine. So I think right. it can be really confusing for queer people or bisexuals to really kind of map out where they fit in, into all of that with all those different discourse surrounding
0: it. Yeah. And I think we, we try a lot of times we talk about these things, like it's a final destination. Like Mm -hmm. once you figure out one thing, if you ever figure out something else you betrayed, like, you know, I mean, Demi Lovato just uh, came out and saying, actually I would like to go by she pronouns as well, because it's never a one and done kind of thing. Right. But I think, you know, nuance, I mean, Nuance is always a hard concept for people to grasp. And in the age of internet where you only have a certain amount of space to try and explain your argument, just nuance is dead.
1: That's so true.
0: Yeah. And what you're saying
1: about how, you know, it's never a one final destination, you're constantly changing. And I think that that's really hard for people to accept too, because they feel like they have to pick a label. And I think labels can be helpful, but they can also be Mm -hmm. harmful when you kind of fall into all these different spaces. And that's why I do love like umbrella terms like queer. I find that super helpful.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think there was an importance to a lot of the, you know, like, you were born this way. It's not a choice Mm -hmm. talking points because we were just trying to fight for, uh, personhood, (laughs) you know, I mean, so it was a lot easier to explain to a lot of people like, no, it's, it's not that I'm choosing to be gay. I am gay. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of people who are just, yeah, I am this. And for some people it's, Yeah, I think I would like to do this. Like, I've heard of people who are like, technically, I'm bisexual, but I identify as gay. Or technically, I'm this. Or I know people who are like, technically, I've been with multiple genders, but I identify as straight because at the end of the day, that's the label that works for me.
1: Yeah. And I mean, like, I know people who, and this is me included, who go bye-bye because also the flag is the best. Oh, absolutely.
0: Best.
1: 100%. Like, I feel like I could probably go by pansexual, but the bi flag is my favorite. So.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, you know, I I hate the bi versus pan discourse. And it's always it's like. Yeah.
1: They're I'm so like, interchangeable. You know, yeah. like, I feel like there's differences, but there's also so many similarities. Yeah. yeah. I think
0: we, you know, we've there is an idea that being bisexual meant literally two. And then, and even though you look back at the history of bisexuality and it was always two or more, but you can see how there are some people who having heard it was only two were like, well, that's not me, right. you know? Yeah. I definitely like, you know, when I was first figured, once I figured out I was bi, which was about two years after I started uh, questioning, like, Am I no? Am I no? I finally, I was on my way <laughs> home from play practice. I was in a play called Mary Kay Olson Is in Love, which oh, I have never heard of that. <laughs> oh, it's amazing. Uh, Confetti Stage in Albany does a lot of um, plays that are not done a lot. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of sorry, bunch of tangents. <laughs> a lot of, oh, you're fine. Yeah. yeah, a lot of theater groups will. I think in any community, they'll stick to old standards because you got to make the money. So oh, sure. if you look at audition lists, there's everyone who's doing a Neil Simon play and then Confetti Stage is doing something interesting and weird. Um, but yeah, but there was a, the main character, had the, fig, the Olsen twins are figments of her imagination through her life, but then they become real and she starts a relationship with Mary-Kate. <laughs> I remember like a queer relationship. That's cool. Yeah. Okay, okay. And I was driving home, and I was actually there was a year where I was living with my parents, and that was the year. And I'm driving home and I just start crying because I was like, oh my god, I'm bisexual. Just on, on the throughway crying. Oh my gosh. So <laughs> the boy is um so, once I came out to myself, I joined a million private bisexual Facebook groups. Mm-hmm. And then one by one, I left most of them because they would devolve into, like, look how terrible pansexuals are for not calling themselves bisexual, or people coming in saying, like, you are terrible for being bisexual. You should all be pansexual. And I'm just like, nope, nope.
1: <laughs> like, can't we just get along? Like, we really are on the same team. <laughs> yeah
0: like literally we're on the same team Yeah, so annoying (laughs) the real enemy is straight people just kidding
1: (laughs) yes but also I do love a lot of straight people in my life but (laughs) but that's where it's all rooted in is the patriarchy and yeah pet culture so yeah yeah But um, I can relate a lot like once I finally had that moment where I'm like oh I'm definitely bisexual like it was like a powerful moment and everything changed after that it it really like I can really
0: relate to that overpowering
1: feeling like oh my gosh so
0: yeah then it's just been like an excavation just Mm -hmm. you know like remembering like oh when I was 11 I had a dream about one of the characters from Dragon Ball Z that was very saucy for an 11 year old. (laughs) mostly there is kissing. And at the time, one of the big things I had learned through church and through all like the girls magazine I was reading, that was a Christian girls magazine called Brio. It was the idea of um, what you take in from the world will come out through you. So the fact that I had had a, a gay dream, I was like, well, I probably watched something on TV, on the WB at the time, that had a gay kiss, and then I dreamed about it, and that's what it is, and that's why they say you should watch, you should, you know, be careful of what you watch, you know, or the fact that I was a tomboy for so long. Felt all the
1: tomboys. Yeah. I had a tomboy face, too, and I'm a pretty feminine person, so, you yeah. know, I could, Yeah are there any other like specific things that you're like, wow, that was so gay. I can't believe I didn't know
0: that. That's funny thing. It's on the spot. I'm like, oh, what, you know, like um, realizing things like there's this movie, the little giants, and there's a character on there, Becky, who she is a football player. And, but also is thinking about being a cheerleader because she wants to impress the boy she likes. Mm-hmm. Then she ends up, you know, impressing him as a football player. And I remember like glomming onto her and now I'm like, I think I had a crush on
1: her. <laughs> a lot sure. of
0: characters. I'm like, oh, I had a crush on them. Um, same with like, uh, I remember the first Pirates of the Caribbean movie. And Kara Knightley pretends to drop the medallion into the sea, and all the pirates rush forward in shock and horror. And then she does this like, oh, I got you. Like, and she like purses her lips. And <laughs> I remember thinking like, Oh, I just think she's so pretty, and I'm like, no, you were like, that's that's okay. <laughs> yeah, I um, here nightly. I I feel like, <laughs> I mean, like, okay, do you remember Bend It Like Beckham? I never actually saw that.
1: I feel like you just need to watch it because it it's like very queer, but is not queer at the right, same time. Like, there's heard. yeah, like there's definitely a lot of like subtext to that, but um. Yeah, she's just so gay in that movie. I was obsessed with that movie. I did not play soccer, but I would like pretend I was like hanging out with them and was playing Mm -hmm. soccer with them in my bedroom. And it was like just the gayest. Uh, (laughs) But um, I used to like before, obviously I didn't realize when I was younger that I was queer, but um, I used to have like friend crushes where I like a girl who was older. It was always girls who were older than me for some reason. Like I was really into older girls, (laughs) but I would be like, I think she's so pretty and I really want to be her friend and yep. then I would, like, draw pictures of them, like, what, <laughs> but, like, that is probably the gayest thing I've ever heard, is just drawing portraits of, like, girls I think are pretty and want to be their friend, so. Yeah,
0: oh yeah, I was so, yeah. not normal about some female friendships growing up, and now I'm like, oh. <laughs> yep, that'll do yep. it, that's yep. it.
1: So, uh, you know, when did you actually, like, come out to outside of just yourself, did you tell your family about
0: it? What was that like? Yeah. So, um, it was like, I came out to myself and I started coming out to people who I either knew it was going to be like the safest bet, or it was like, I know them just enough that it's okay to tell them, but if this goes badly, I know I'm going to be fine never seeing them. So I would like quietly drop it. Um, you know, um, with some people, I was less concerned that they would disown me for being queer, and more, it was more, oh, are they going to be like awful about bisexuals? And then I told my brother, um, who told his fiance, which I kind of figured a lot of times if you tell someone who is married, you figure that their spouses will then know, which I, I found carried true for a lot of things. A lot of people who I told. Like I it was weird. like, their that with me. I'm like, yeah, I figured. Oh yeah. yeah. It's like, you have to have them come out for you
1: at it's just part yeah. of the process, you know?
0: Um. So my brother got married and he had a destination wedding in Ireland. So, even though I had been telling people, I was like, well, I can't tell my parents before this, because what if it goes badly? And even though my parents have always been the most supportive of anything I do. At the same time, they are evangelicals. They are conservative Republicans. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, it's as much as I know that my parents loved me, There is that little bit that was terrified. Um, so we went to the trip on Ireland, didn't say anything. Um, and since it was a destination wedding, we went out west for his reception, which was for the pe- his neighbors. So, and I knew I was going to be sharing a hotel with them after that for that. So I was like, well, I got to wait to that. <laughs> and then I was going to go visit my mom and dad after I'm like, okay, it's time. Um, I told my brother, it was like, uh, it's now it's going to happen. <laughs> he called his wife and was like, it's going to happen. Be ready. Um, <laughs> I got, <laughs> my parents' house, my mom was there. My dad wasn't, so I was chatting with my mom. My dad comes home, and finally, I was like, "All right, guys, I have something to tell you." And as I went into saying I'm bisexual, I just started sobbing, like oh. I could not help myself. And my dad discharged at me and hugged me. So you know, it's it's not perfect. Like we don't talk about it a lot, and I think a lot of it is self closeting and self-editing um we have had some my dad and I have had some pretty heated conversations because around the time the 2020 elections, I Mm. don't think he understood how terrible Trump had been for queer people and how terrible he would be for queer people going forward and that's honestly that's why I think there was a lot of like gays for Trump's rally not really for the gays but for people who have queer family members just be like no 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 Trump's gonna take care of the gays it's fine you know on record his administration has been going after queer and trans people for four years but now it's fine yeah you know, um but yeah that was the one I was most scared about and then once that was done I was like I'm not coming after people anymore they can figure it out so I just let myself post memes on Facebook <laughs> And was, the like, people it. will figure it out because I told all the people that were I was scared to tell. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on, you know, the next coming out day, I made a post because I wanted to like make a post so that anyone who was closeted would understand like, hey, it's okay if you're closeted. I was closeted for a long time. And a lot of people were like, I had no idea, Allie. Like, well, you had all the means. <laughs> yeah, well, I think it's, it also
1: yeah. like you directly saying it can really yes. inspire a lot of people who are very closeted and don't know how to read those signals quite yet. Yeah. Um, so I think it's a, just a powerful thing if you're in that position of privilege where you you know, have already had those conversations with your family members, or maybe you know that they're gonna be supportive about it, so you're not scared of that. To be yeah. able to show other people it's okay, I think is a really helpful yeah. thing for other people's coming out process.
0: Yeah, that was my, I was like, well, hopefully this will reach someone. Like I still consider myself a baby queer but I've definitely same. had people come up to me and say like, you know, I, I see you post about all this. So I have some questions about this and my identity. And I'm like, okay, but I I don't know if I'm qualified, but a lot of times it's just listening and validating, you know, yeah. same with like, um, you know, if someone there is a while where I was like, I don't know, just, calling myself a gender fluid woman, woman, does that just mean I want to be a spicy woman? (laughs) And I'm like, you turn it to like, if someone came up to me and said, Hey, I'm thinking of using this term, what do you think? I would say, yes, do it. If that feels right, do it. So, yeah.
1: Cool. So Ali, now that you are um, out, you know, have you been kind of getting into the dating game? Um, what does that look like now that you're, you know, have accepted your queerness and kind of are getting past, you know, your religious past?
0: Yeah, I mean, I've been moving slow. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, for years, there were always like, there was always a reason why now I couldn't possibly date like, oh, well, there's the Bible verse about how you should be evenly yoked, which essentially means you should only date other Christians because otherwise the non-Christian will drag you down, um, which that's a whole can of worms. Oh boy, okay. <laughs> um, and so I was like, well, you know, there's some guys that I would be like, well, I'm really into them, but I can't because they're not Christian. And then it was, well, I can't date anyone because I am thinking about moving to New York city and then, you know, just a million reasons why not to date. And then mm-hmm. finally, there. I will say I got very used to being single and being single is pretty great. Um, so there yeah. was part of me that was, you know, just, just because I was queer, I was like, well, I don't have to date. It's fine. <laughs> like I like being single. I like having my alone time. Um, but over time, I was like, okay, I think I actually want to start dating. So tried out different apps. Um, one of my friends convinced me to try a month of eHarmony. The thing about eHarmony is that it's very, uh, you want to get married right now. Ah, okay. Yeah, Yeah. that makes sense. No. I feel like Um, there's so many, every dating app
1: has its own thing and its own purpose. yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I've settled on Tinder because most people put what they're looking for. I did try Her, which is a dating app for queer women. Um, the thing I like about Her is that you can filter by tags. So you can look for the people who are, you know, they want to get married now versus they just want to, uh, have some dates, um, it sorts by monogamy or polyamory, um it says right out like wants kids doesn't want kids um so it's really nice but yeah it's buggy as hell yeah Um, very buggy um also
1: I feel like there's a lot of spam on there like I see a lot of fake people and then also there's just less options in general like I do like what you said about her I really do love that there's tags you know exactly uh, what the person is looking for who they are and to make sure if it's compatible with you um and, and I think hinge does Something similar not to that extent like you can't you can't really add if you're monogamous or not or polyamorous but um unless you put it in a description of some sort but I I think that it's really helpful for finding exactly what you're looking for and um but the one thing is that there's so many less options just across the board for queer dating um like like I feel like you run out of people within an hour it's just Mm -hmm. it's really slim pickings where we live in upstate New York and Um, How have you been navigating that with dating apps? Do you find that like Tinder has more options or, you know?
0: Yeah, Tinder has, I feel like they have a lot of options. I've tried OkCupid. The thing is that a lot of times I don't want to meet men on dating apps. I just Mm -hmm. don't necessarily feel safe, especially because they'll have distance. And, you know, there's, I will say, I think there's a part of me that just from my upbringing will always be a little scared of men. Um, of course, because the idea of like, yeah, you know, if you slip up, a man's going to, uh, take advantage because you let him to <laughs> Right. And it's like, it's
1: okay because you let him by your actions, which is like, yeah. again, not holding the man or the perpetrator accountable and then yeah. blaming the victim for it. It's just, it's messed up. So I can yeah. see how that really makes women feel
0: unsafe. Just, oh yeah. So and often. I mean, I, I do have, I have men in my life that I love very much. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I just. I would rather meet if I'm going to date a guy. I'd rather meet them organically, possibly vetted by other people. Yeah. So, but with OK Cupid, I felt like it was still sending me a lot of men. Mm-hmm. Like Tinder, you'll set it to women, and a man will sneak in there. Oh, but,
1: yeah, and that's the same with Bumble and Hinge yeah. too. They would always creep in and I'd be like, "Where the?
0: What, how'd you get yeah. here?
1: Are you lost?"
0: Yeah, and I mean, there are also like oh, <laughs> every so often you meet. You see women's profiles on Tinder that are like, oh, I'm here for networking. Like, honey, what are you doing? Wait, what?
1: I'm like, what? like, I'm networking. looking. I've seen I'm looking for a roommate and I'm like, just go
0: to Craigslist. Like, what the yeah. hell <laughs> what are you doing? Like, I, yeah, you know, this is not where you network. That's LinkedIn. LinkedIn is a terrible app, but it has one purpose. <laughs> and the purpose is networking or people who are like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm just looking for female friends and I think I have to imagine some of them are closeted women who are trying to like test the waters without coming out. For sure. And I also think there's women who just don't realize what they're doing <laughs> and they're, and are they're like, "Oh yeah, this is, I'll find friends on Tinder." I'm like, "Well, Bumble friends exists." It does. Uh my sister
1: was on Bumble Friends. She lives in Seattle, and um, and she was telling me that she's like, yeah, I've been going like hanging out with all these girls, like taking them on on dates, and then like I like it's hard for me to keep up with them and keep messaging them. I've got like too many going on. I'm like, it sounds
0: like you're just dating women. Yeah. Like, what the heck? <laughs> um, I've definitely, you know, I've definitely expanded my radius. Mm-hmm. So, um, oh, got a that. lot of people who are at least an hour away, which I mean, in this economy.
1: It, but that's but, the way of being queer yeah. like I think that's part of I, I feel like every single queer woman at one point has probably been in a long distance
0: relationship oh, that's just Yeah. or at least even if it's a short thing like any long distance thing yeah yep um and I think you know I make it a little harder on myself because there are certain things where it's like you know if I see someone with a dog I'm like I love dogs but I can't live with a dog it it bothers my allergies too much and I'm like mm-hmm. well. I'm not going to swipe on that person because if they, you know, I don't want to make them choose between a date and a dog, you know, same with like, if people are like, Oh, I want kids. Like, I hope you find them. Um. (laughs) See, That's again, why it's so good that you can like put those
1: things on your dating app, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You can't as much with Tinder, but, um, I it's super helpful, but it's good that you're being picky. I feel like when I first started dating like going on the dating apps I was very picky but then I was like oh but there's not a lot of options and I just want to meet queer people so it like I eventually was kind of like it's fine maybe maybe it'll be fine
0: I definitely there are people who just swipe on everyone and I wonder (laughs) and I, I think it's more of a from anecdotally I think guys are encouraged to do that um because I usually hear guys talking about it and granted dating apps are kind of a number game but there's part means like, why are you swiping? We have nothing in common. You would hate me. I would hate you.
1: Do you feel like there's other big differences between, um, like dating men
0: versus dating women on dating apps? I think, um, there is something which we're, where women are not taught to take initiative. You know, Mm -hmm. it's always, you have to, the man is the one who's supposed to ask. And if you um, and if you ask, you know, you could emasculate him and this is, it's a learned thing, but it's so ingrained. So like definitely, you know, it's not a biological thing. It's just something we're taught. So a lot of times you message someone who's cute and it ticks all the boxes and you're like, hi, hi, how you doing? Good. How are you? And then neither of you wants to make the move. And, you know, that's part of me. That's like, you know, I want you want to be courted because we're taught like, you know, that's, so
1: you're just kind of. So you're both just want to be courted and then nobody's yeah. courting anyone. No, yeah. yeah. And then I found with um, women on dating apps is that you'll just text forever, just forever yeah. and ever, and then never do anything. Nothing yeah. happens. Whereas like, if you're talking to a man on a dating app, he's like, oh, let's text. Okay. Let's meet in person. Like it's all very fast. Yeah.
0: But yeah. I mean, that's like, at least been my experience with it. I definitely like made myself like make the move, which, you know, when you, there's always that fear of like, oh, I'm going to make the move and they're going to like hate me. <laughs> Yeah I feel like there's also
1: because like especially when I came out I was like oh I've got to be a top because everyone talks shit about being a bottom which is like bullshit obviously like it doesn't matter and it's all about sexual compatibility and just relationship compatibility and so I felt like I had to be more assertive when really I was like I don't know if this is like really me or like what I I I still honestly don't know where I fit in that spectrum I feel like it's like you can kind of just be whatever you want but yeah
0: it's so situational like you should be you know it's And even like you could be with someone who most of the time you're one, but sometimes you're the other. And there's different reasons. I was talking to a friend of mine who um, he was saying, you know, he likes to bottom because he likes to take care of people. And I said, Oh, I like to bottom when I want to be taken care of. So it's, yeah. Yeah. It's such completely different, you know, everyone, it's the same thing. And I think of a lot, you know, there's, There's also a lot of people conflate, like, position with power, which Mm -hmm. doesn't necessarily, you know, there are people who are doms, and they'll bottom, and it doesn't mean, and also, I mean, that's a whole other conversation, but also, I know people in the scene, like, if you're a dom, it doesn't mean you're the one with the power. (laughs) Like, that's a whole right. Yeah, Fifty Shades really really screwed a lot of people's perceptions.
1: For sure, for sure. Yeah. I think I've heard like, of like, you know, Dominic Jit's people talking about how that movie really messed people's perception of, yeah. of it,
0: so. The way, and the best analogy I heard is uh, 50 Shades of Grey is to BDSM what the Big Bang Theory is to actual geeks.
1: <laughs>
0: That's actually a good way <laughs> yeah. it. Which is terrible <laughs> representation, yep. yeah.
1: So going back a little bit to, you know, how like nobody's making a move, because we're taught to both be courted. um, I think something you were talking about in the office that is hilarious, and I kind of want to talk about it some more is uh, this concept of lesbian sheep. So
0: could uh, you explain what that is? (laughs) So um, again, uh, source is not cited. But (laughs) I think this is one of those things where it becomes an old queer wives tale. So I mean, what, what do sources matter anyway? Well, you can Google it and it it <laughs> no. exists online, so it must be Yeah, legit. it must be real. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so the idea is that scientists were observing sheep, as one does, and they were able to observe homosexual behavior in male sheep, but not in female sheep. And they were wondering why that is. Um, and what they realized is that mating behavior of sheep is that typically the female sheep will go into the field and wait to be mounted and then the male will mount so with male sheep they would just mount each other and be get to it the female sheep who had same-sex attraction would stand next to the other female sheep and wait to be mounted but the other female sheep if they were also so attracted would just be waiting to be mounted <laughs> and they're just standing there next
1: to each other just waiting just waiting and telling each other they're both so pretty but like nobody's doing
0: anything. yeah oh yeah
1: a classic a classic tale of course
0: yeah and it's, that is like the the eternal like all right are they gonna ask me out and the other person's like all right are they gonna ask me out you know and just yeah like what's gonna kiss what's going on right you just you're expecting a world of shanes and they're just you know uh shane is one of a kind yeah where are the shanes
1: right (laughs) i feel like every like relationship i've had with a woman i had to be a little
0: bit more of the the shane and i'm like do i i don't feel like (laughs) no and i mean that's like and it's all wrapped up in like you know i mean figuring out and Figure out like gender like fucks all that up too like mm-hmm. feeling like you know 90% of the time I want to be pretty and therefore I must I want to be I want the shame to come to me and and what does that mean when related to gender and expression and it's just a whole ball of weirdness I think once you start realizing that oh sexuality isn't a binary and also I don't have to marry a man you know get married have five kids then suddenly you realize oh everything's a spectrum <laughs> mm-hmm. and That's even me- if you do
1: get married to a man and have kids that you can yes. have like I mean obviously you're in a heterosexual relationship even if you're queer and the other person isn't or they both are you know uh but there's still you can have queer nature to yeah it doesn't have to be so specifically
0: heterosexual it can have its own dynamics that are very different I- like if a straight man and a straight woman get married they don't suddenly stop noticing that people are attractive they might be taught to suppress that and keep that inside because you know we just are taught that you can't ever acknowledge that someone outside a relationship is pretty or else you've ruined everything and patriarchy and monogamy subject society, you know, the usual. Oh, of course, the usual. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, but also there's ways to have kind of uh to be queer outside of just attraction, you know, just right. You know, it's it's part of who you are and that will
0: never change no matter what relationship you're in. So Oh yeah, like it's not, you know, it is who you're attracted to romantically and sexually is a big part of it, but it's not the only thing.
1: Right. Like you can yeah. be in a hetero relationship, but also share a skincare routine. So that feels very queer. to me. Yeah. <laughs> you can watch Drag Race together. Exactly. <laughs> now, Ali, we are running out of time. We've had such a great conversation. I haven't even been paying attention to the time, but I have one more question for you, kind of going back to your background, um, growing up religious. If mm-hmm. Do you have any advice for anyone who's been kind of in your situation? Maybe they're first like kind of thinking like maybe I'm queer or they're like not sure how to broach that conversation with their community and their family. Do you have any advice for them?
0: Yeah, um, I mean, I would like to first of all, like, your safety is the most important. So if you don't feel safe bringing that up with your family or your church, you don't have to because. Me hard to tell, and granted, I did. You know, I told a story where I thought something terrible might happen if I came out to my family, and it didn't, but I still feel justified in that fear based on a million things. I'm not, you know, um, I think also part of it is this idea, I think a lot of it is just, you know, feel free to seek out information like you know, go to your library and look up things on the computers there. Uh, Feel free because a lot of times just the process of learning about things outside your narrow purview will really help you figure out a whole lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, I will say, you know, it was a weird journey for me because I needed to fall away from the faith before I was able to even consider that I might be queer and I think there are a lot of people whose stories are a bit reversed where they are in the faith realize they're queer don't know how to reconcile it there are definitely organizations and churches out there that are queer affirming and then so there are those people out there if you would like to stay in the faith Mm -hmm. and still be celebrated um yeah because you don't have to give up your religion just because you're queer. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, A great website. There's a website called Church Clarity, which finds out if a church, what their actual position is on uh, LGBTQ plus community and women in leadership. As I alluded to in the beginning, a lot of churches, you know, they know they can't say that they don't agree with homosexuality blatantly. Mm -hmm. Most churches, you know, so they'll say, oh, we accept everyone. And then two years later, you'll find out you're not allowed to get married to your same-sex partner in that church. Right. Um, and that's gotta be devastating when you have
1: that relationship with that church. And then you realize this whole time that you couldn't fully be accepted, just like your
0: straight counterparts. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, just be kind, you know, be kind to yourself. Um, be willing to hear points of view that seem at first might seem like, no, absolutely not. And you might, you know, you might not ultimately agree with everything you hear, but I think there's this feeling of like, you don't only seek knowledge and wisdom from these improved sources. I'm like, it's okay to, you know, ask questions to go out and seek resources.
1: Absolutely. Resources yeah. are honestly the only way to get through it. I feel like, so
0: yeah, yeah utilize those resources and talk to safe people. Sometimes, I mean, sometimes, unfortunately, the only thing you can do is tough it out until you get to a point where you can be safe on your own, Mm -hmm. Uh, in which case I think the internet has been huge for providing communities. I was able to find a queer community online before I started feeling comfortable doing so in person. And in-person queer spaces are so important. But also, I could go talk to other bisexual people. I could uh, understand. I could learn about other things. You know, Mm -hmm. from the safety of. You know, at the time it was. You know, I'm on my desktop, so I'm chained to my desktop, and now it's in your pocket. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. You could just open your phone and have a conversation with someone you met on Reddit so quickly. So. And even if that's not for, if that's a safety concern, I mean, libraries are probably your best bet. Again, just be safe. Absolutely.
1: That's some great advice, Allie. And I've had such a great time talking to you and learning more about you. I'm so glad that we're coworkers um, and I can have another awesome queer person to just shoot the shit with every day. Definitely. (laughs) Yeah, so um, is there anything that you'd like to plug? Do you want people to follow you on social media?
0: Yeah, um, I'm on Instagram, Allie, A-L-L-Y, J-S, design. That is also my Twitter handle. Um, I am a graphic designer. So if you need a graphic designer, feel free to reach out. Awesome. Yeah.
1: And I will uh, link all of that in the show notes. Um, And if you have a website or something, I can put that on as well.
0: AllieJShifka.com.
1: Gotcha. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Allie. Um, I, it's been so great talking to you and uh, have a great night. Yeah. Thank you. You too. Thank you. Thank you so much to Allie for joining on this month's podcast episode. If you want to follow and support them, feel free uh, to check out the show notes. I've linked her Instagram, her website, and all of that jazz. And of course, you can support the bi-agenda by following us on Instagram at bisexualbehavior. You can subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And don't forget to rate and review. That really helps make our podcast more visible. If you have any questions, you want me to answer a question on the podcast, you just have some feedback that you want to talk to me about, you can email me at bisexualbehaviorpod at gmail.com or message me on Instagram. And I hope everyone has a great month and enjoys Halloween. Um, I hope you have a really queer outfit planned. I definitely have a queer costume that I'll be sharing with you. And I'm so excited. Have a great month, y'all. Okay, bye.